hey, there's a Hugh Jackman movie. You say, oh, let me clear my schedule. I cannot go to Forest Second Street without eyeliner on, you know, like. So I'll be like, is it, uh, is it, oh, is it, uh, 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 you know. <laughs> Breaking down the riffs, if you think you can do it, then you can do the riff for it. Yeah, here we go. Mm. Ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Mike Check with Darian Goulding. My name is Darian Goulding, and I have a very, very, very special guest today with me. Guest, tell my listeners who you are. Hi, it's Natalie Weiss. Oh. Natalie Weiss. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I'm so so excited to have you on the podcast today. Um, Thanks for and having I am, me. I'm so grateful that you are willing to do this. Um, so, Natalie, I would love if you could talk a little bit about um, uh, where you grew up and uh, how you stepped into the theater world um, and the beginning, the, beginning, um, the beginning of your musical experience. So I grew up in New Jersey and I was influenced, heavily influenced by pop singers like Billy Joel, Mariah Carey, Janet Jackson, Whitney Houston, Madonna. Um, I was put into classical piano lessons pretty early so that sort of started my musical journey. Uh, definitely sang around the house, but like, I know I was, I was always performing, but not well per se. I didn't know what <laughs> I was doing until college, I would say. Like I had natural ability, but I was like screaming all the time, singing incorrectly. Took dance class, played soccer, played tennis, and had to kind of give up sports to pursue singing lessons. Then I went to Penn State University for musical theater, and my senior year, of college, I was singing a song from Dreamgirls, which was totally inappropriate, and I sort of made an opera joke about it. <laughs> and then one of the freshmen was like, yes, girl, and he put it on this thing called YouTube.com. And um, you probably mm. weren't born then in 2006. No, I'm kidding, you were. But <laughs> close. Uh, yeah, so that's the video that started it all for me. By accident, started a YouTube following. Um, and then uh, fast forward, did some coaching, did some, I auditioned, I did some shows. And then on the tour of Les Mis in 2012, Beyonce's Halo came on the radio. And my friend was like, how do you do this riff on the word night? And I said, I don't know, let me count the notes. So I counted the notes and I said, if you tilt your head on the fifth note, because it kind of skips a note in the scale, you'll do it. And she's like, no way. So a lot of my career has been by accident on purpose. That's yeah, a quick that's awesome. rendition. <laughs> that is awesome. Um, I And kind of going off the topic of um, the riffing thing, I would love for you to break down, breaking down the riff. Oh, yeah. And and um, just like that's I, I think it's very cool that that kind of just came about on accident. Yeah. So on tour when I was like, OK, so I knew this one riff and then I had a bunch of riffs in my head that my friend said, for lack of a better term, in quotes, broke down for me. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was thinking about titles and there was like figuring out the runs, figuring out the riffs, breaking down the runs, and that felt like you were going to the bathroom. So I settled on breaking <laughs> down the riffs. Yeah. And then Yeah, I think that's I think that's our podcast episode, yep. breaking down the runs yes. with Natalie Weiss. Yeah. And like basically I terminology used is basic counting, starting from one. It has nothing to do with, you know, the degree of the scale or solfege or anything. It's just how you count. So that, you know, it's like pop singing for dummies. And then I added in like some interval terms, like whole step and half step. But so that everyone could repeat the terminology and make it memorable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's really, really cool. Um, and, and did you ever in a million years think that that one video on YouTube would have got you the, the K subscribers that you have? No. Now? 
the one riff video or the one first video? Like the first video that you that, the first yeah, yeah. video. Oh my god, I had Facebook friend requests the next day, and I was like, I used to write on people's walls like, "Who's this?" Like I didn't understand <laughs> what was going on because it just happened at the right time when musical theater was being put on the internet, mm-hmm. and so. You know, I'm not saying I have, like, everything that's happened to me, I've worked towards, but it it really did happen at the right time. Mm-hmm. Um, so when people ask me, how do I get an internet following? I said, I don't know. Because <laughs> I literally don't have strategy. I post what I believe in, what I think is funny, what is educational, and it gets a good response, but I did have the audience. Yeah. By accident. Yeah, which is super cool. Um, yeah, and kind of going into um, your your career from there, um, I would love for you to talk about the tours that you went on, Wicked and... Um, so I basically Linus. graduated in 2007, mm-hmm. commuted, did like a regional show right away, but saved money at home. Um, I got my equity card my junior year of college at the Pittsburgh CLO, so I didn't have to get points. I got my card right away. Did that for two summers, so that was right after college. Auditioned for a while. Um, I booked Wicked in 2009, but it was a very quick contract because I was replacing an injury, so that was like a 10-week stint. And then I did... What did I do after that? (laughs) I think I did Everyday Rapture after that in 2010. Mm -hmm. But like that was a time when I was like, I'm quitting the business for the 80th time, no confidence. (laughs) So as I was like, I'm quitting the business, I was like, I'll take a musical theater class and like singing in front of people again. My agents dropped me. I booked a, a Broadway show without them. And then I, on my day off from Everyday Rapture, I auditioned at one of the equity chorus calls for Les Mis tour. I was like, whatever, on my day off. And then I booked that without an agent. So this kind of <laughs> happened without two agents, which is interesting. Did the tour and treated it like, you know, a second job, honestly. I was sort of like a swing. And so that's why I created Breaking Down the Riffs. I was teaching on the road. Um, and then since then, I've kind of focused on teaching and doing solo concerts because I feel more fulfilled with that. Mm-hmm. And I've been doing like a show a year, like a musical theater show a year, if it happens to be the right yeah. fit. Um, so, so when you were working on Wicked for, you said 10 weeks? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, how you understudied Alphaba? So I was contracted to understudy Alphaba. That's the track that I auditioned for and I got cast in. Yeah. However, my experience is very atypical because there's a standby on tour. Mm-hmm. So because it was a new company, the standby was, the Alphaba was rehearsing. I was rehearsing my ensemble track. And then the standby started rehearsing when the girl who I was replacing came back. Gotcha. So I never got to experience But did you, that. did you, green. you didn't learn it? Or you none did. of the above. None of the, no, none no. of the green. But resume. None of the green. Yep. <laughs> resume, yes. And then like learn the script, but be- I got to observe a rehearsal. But the the standby, sorry, the standby was rehearsing. Started going on. The girl I replaced started rehearsing. Gotcha. For Alphaba while I was doing her ensemble track, and then she went back into the show. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So how does it feel to be a part of two of like probably top ten most famous? musicals of all time and they were on tour so how does that how does I that mean, feel everything to you? has positives and negatives but the one interesting thing about being a part of shows that people know mm-hmm. is when you talk about them with people that aren't in theater so like let's say you did the most like for example everyday rapture mm-hmm. amazing show i would never talk 
to somebody on a Bumble date that's in a nine to five job and be like, I did everyday rapture. They would not have a clue. But you said, I did wicked and lame Miz. They don't need to know about anything negative that happened because you did wicked and lame Miz. But meanwhile, like my most positive experiences, nobody would have heard of or cared about yeah. in the terms of like what is looked at as, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think like just to have like, I'm trying to think of, Something that's culty, that's really popular, like, I don't know, Next to Normal, let's say. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite shows. Agreed. I would say a muggle would be like, <laughs> I did a really famous show, <laughs> Next to Normal. Like, for my example is, like, I play poker a lot. So if I'm at the poker table with mo- normal people, mm-hmm. it's really hard to explain what I do. People in the industry are like, that's so cool. Like, you did this niche thing. But to explain what I did, like, if I had to say I did the tour of Next to Normal, they'd be like, huh? You know, like, so it's cool to be like, have you ever heard of these two shows? And of course they have, because who hasn't? Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, uh, kind of staying on the topic of um, shows and things that you've worked on, um, I was reading a little bit and saw that you are on the track for Greatest Showman, and do you have Hanson? Yep. Yeah, yeah, so what's really cool about... <laughs> What's really cool about that is that coincidentally, Pasek and Paul, who I've known since college, we went to different schools same year. Mm-hmm. We had the same group of friends in college, so we met our sophomore year. And like they, at that time, they had written Edges. So the funny thing is that they have just simply provided me with opportunities at the same time, like getting these royalty checks from the same two <laughs> writers. It's just the two of the biggest projects of all time I happen to be a part of, and they wrote them both. So the good thing about that is that when they like singers, they just call their people. Mm -hmm. So when they say, hey, there's a Hugh Jackman movie, you say, oh, let me clear my schedule. (laughs) You don't really ask about the pay, you know? (laughs) So it's really cool because, like, the two of me and Lauren were on the – I was on the original demos of Come Alive. It was two girls, two guys. And, you know, it's cool to be able to test the material out before it gets huge and, like, when you're in the room where it happens, like the video on the internet that's like the room where it happens, it really was the room where it happened because I told everybody that this is gonna be the biggest thing to ever hit anything and you're just around the best singers possible. You're the worst singer in the room and that's not like knocking myself, but I'm with the best singers. <laughs> like when you go into a recording studio and they said, all right, do a riff pass, that's normally me. Uh-huh. And I'm like, no, thank you. <laughs> Like, I'd rather sit this one out. Like, my outtakes are not even on the album because they're so bad. So it was just, like, amazing. And then Dear Evan Hansen was just like, you know, you get to do a session with Alex Lacamoire, just two girls, two guys for original, waving through a window for a production in D.C. Of course, you're going to be like, let's do this demo. What is it? It's a new musical with Ben Platt. Like, it's so cool. And then, you know, you get those uh, bonus royalty checks. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, just yeah. a little special something on the side. Mm-hmm. Um so how does it work? How does it feel working with f- friends in a way? Because I know that you work with Joey a lot too yeah. on his work, and and you said mm-hmm. Pasek and Paul, and so how does that yeah. work? Yeah. So like, basically, a lot of people that I did new musical recordings for were, I'd say, not friends mm-hmm. at first. They were musical theater writers. Um, everyone's a different story. I mean, I could like go through everyone, but let's say they started as new musical writers. Um, Pasek and Paul, I would say, were just classmate acquaintances of mine. Mm-hmm. Then they happened to write the show, and then they were like, you know, we wouldn't hang out, but like they would call me for demos in 2009, and then blah, blah, blah. Um, in terms of all the other writers, I was admiring their work. 
and then they saw my video, so that happened. In terms of Joey, he was a friend of my friend in college. I happened to see his song, Love Me, Love Me Not, who was sung by a guy. And I was like, yo, I like that song. And we had met maybe once, and I said, can I do it? <laughs> what key do you want? Yeah. Cool. And then, it, you know. But our friendship developed out of not that. It, it just, we got much closer later on. Mm-hmm. And so now it's just like, we're friends, and then we, you know, it's not that. Um, I don't think everyone um, that I work with always is like that. Um, a lot of friends that I meet happen to be, you know, like my best friend I didn't do a show with, I didn't go to school with. I think we met seeing a concert of a mutual friend, so we, like, struck up a conversation. Some of my best friends I've met at game nights, you know, and <laughs> they happen to be singer-songwriters. So I think the network is so small that sort of overlaps, but some of it is, like, work and some of it is like friends first yeah totally yeah um so i i really would love to uh have you talk about your college experience and uh just if you have any words of wisdom for people like me who are in college looking to be performers and i know Mm -hmm. that it's it's kind of a a tough a tough place and a tough realization when you decide oh this is no longer a hobby it's a career yeah that's a huge that's a huge thing I struggle with because I have hobbies in quotes, but I don't do them or make time for them. Mm-hmm. So they used to be like playing piano, singing, and that's not a thing now. You know, like if I'm editing videos of me singing 24-7, I'm like, I just want to watch Netflix. I just want to go to, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, I definitely would say keep yourself well-rounded in college and throughout, like finding a side passion because it is your job, you know? Mm-hmm. Um in terms of my college experience, I definitely like learned so many different techniques, whether it be acting, vocal, or whatever. But I think for me, from as an acting perspective, there were certain things that worked for me and certain things that didn't. And then when it clicked, I just was like, oh my God, this works for me. But that's not going to work for everyone. And I definitely think listen to all your teachers. And it, at the time, you might be like, this is a bunch of BS. And then I, I find myself saying what I learned. Oh my God, I thought I didn't agree with that and now it's like that helped me so much so Mm -hmm. I think don't knock it till you try it number one and like not everything's gonna work for you but like take in the information Mm -hmm. um and you got to work on your crap you're gonna get out what you put in yeah so you know people were like what warm-ups did you do every day and I'm like zero and 24 7 like I was not (laughs) the singer who was like he definitely never did that Mm -hmm. but I was on the toilet being like <laughs> you know, like yeah, figuring 100%. it out. So you definitely have to like figure it out on your own. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um and a lot of it won't make sense. A lot of it won't make sense until you graduate. Like so many things I learned in the last two years could never have been taught at a BFA school. Mm-hmm. Having to do with business, finance, the world, you know, like Yeah, one hundred percent. Um American Idol. Natalie. Yes. How's that? Tell me a little bit about that. So American Idol was one of the most negative experiences, <laughs> oh, like no. factually, just because at the time, I always think I'm so grateful for it because at the time my world was shattered when I got caught on national television. Positives that came out of it were if I never would have been in the dramatic group with the dramatic parents or wore the yellow shirt, then I wouldn't have been known as the girl with the yellow shirt or the group with the annoying parents. Mm. Number two, 
I have no, I no longer have goals to be on that show or other shows. I now have goals to be a vocal coach on those shows. So if I would have made it, would YouTube have happened? Would this have happened? Like truly. And it's, I'm such a proponent of this happened, not even for a reason, but this led to this, this led to this. So I would say like at the time my world was over and I was distraught, but that led me to where I am now and it didn't happen and it didn't need to happen. Yeah. That I, I'm, a, I'm also a huge believer in yeah. the fact that um, this happens for this reason and everything does happen for a specific, mm-hmm. a specific mm-hmm. reason. That's sweet. Um, so how does it feel when you do shows and you do, you do um, these, these YouTube things, right? And you, are, you have the standing that you do. How does it feel when somebody comes up to you on the street and is like, oh my gosh, Natalie, how are you? How do you how do you react to that? <laughs> so you mean just in general going about my life? Yeah, it's honestly it never gets old. Number one, mm-hmm. but it does get a little bit self conscious around my everyday. So like, one time I, I certain things I won't forget. Like I'm in Minnesota at a coffee shop, and I got recognized by this random person, and I was like probably no makeup, which I'm so much better about because I wear so much less makeup. I used to be like I cannot go to Forty Second Street without eyeliner on, you know? Like, <laughs> like I always say I could go to a Yankees game. And not get recognized, but I can't go to a student rush line. Yeah. Because I know, and I can't go to Musical Theater Unifieds, which is like my favorite spot to feel good about myself because I'm like, <laughs> I love watching auditions and also, oh my God, you know, it makes you feel like who wouldn't feel good? But you have to be on, you know? Yeah. If I just want to live my life, I think I was assuming yesterday, like with my top half down and my gut out, I was hoping I was not going to get recognized at the beach yesterday, to be honest, <laughs> you know? Um, but it could happen, you know. Um, it feels amazing knowing that, like, you know, that my face or my presence on the internet has touched people not only in person. Like, it's touched them from so far. Mm-hmm. And that's an amazing thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I know that swinging is a very stressful process, not mm-hmm. only, like, for people who haven't done it, but, like, I, I'm sure it, that stress doesn't go away. Um yeah, I definitely would say the anxiety was like at a hundred all the time. Like I have a friend who's in a Broadway show, obviously not now, who, I mean, her anxiety spiked so badly and she's already an anxious person, but like, it's not for, I don't, so I did it in Everyday Rapture, but I only mm-hmm. covered two parts and I knew I was going on. Yeah. However, there was the anxiety of, I can't possibly go on tomorrow. The music's not printed yet. Like it was a new show. So I kept running scenarios of learning the show, but well, they'd have to cancel. Because, like, I've never been taught this. They'd have to, right? And I was praying nobody came out before I went on, thank God. But, like, I would look like the idiot who didn't know it. But it's not printed yet. It's, like, not even transcribed. Um, I, I was told that if you understudy five principles, it's easier than eight ensemble tracks. That's what I've been told. But, like, Les Mis, it's also different because Les Mis, like, first of all, it's not a dance show. Mm-hmm. However, when you're told, go there and watch out for Darian and somebody, it's a little scarier than go to four, count five, six, seven, turn eight. Is mm-hmm. much easier than wander there. So for me, if I was in the wrong place, I'd get hit. But we were never taught very specifics with the Brits. It was a little more lax. Mm-hmm. You know, like feel it. And I'm like, wait, is it splitting four? <laughs> no numbers. No numbers. So 
I think it depends on what show you're in. I think like if you're a swing on Broadway, you have your Bible and you have specific numbers and counts so you're not smacking people. I think I had numbers and I had specifics of Everyday Rapture, but I think that the layman's experience was a little bit, again, atypical in terms of swinging because mm-hmm. it wasn't learned on counts. Yeah. You had to sing the part you were singing. You'd have to switch the vocal part. You know, you'd know this track sings this, but sometimes it would get muddy, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Everyday Rapture. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love if you could talk a little bit about working on new work because I know that that, because you were just saying like sometimes mm. you're going on stage. I'm going to siren you, for one sec. No, you're so good. I can you're good. Hold on. <laughs> just peaked my mic. Okay. Um, but because you were yeah. saying that you, you like were going to go on and music wasn't printed, right? Yeah. So I, w- I would love to know a little bit about new work. Well, I'll talk about new work because I was like, honestly, ju- I don't want to like downplay just an understudy, but like let's talk about new work in terms of stuff I've created because it's a- easier to talk about because yeah, I was like totally. trying to do it. I think learning new work is so cool. I've been fortunate to be on so many of the new musical theater albums that a lot of times the singer-songwriters, the songwriters are not vocalists. Mm-hmm. so And they know that. So they're like, I know that I know. And like it's on pitch. <laughs> but I have to imagine my tone. And then I'll be like, some singer, some songwriters are singers. Mm-hmm. So you hear that and you're like, let me just imitate like I grew up imitating. Some songwriters are really not singers so that they get demo singers. And some are serviceable. So they're like, you know, um, I dreamed a dream in time gone by. Great. You're on pitch, right? Mm-hmm. So for me, in the studio with them, I would give them what Zena Goldrich of Goldrich and Heisler calls the <laughs> Natalie Weiss Library. So I'll be like, is it, uh, is it, oh, is it, uh, 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 you know, because mm-hmm. I don't, are they, uh, I don't know what you want. Yeah. So <laughs> it's cool. You ask them what their vision is and they're like, love it. No, more like this. Sometimes it's hard when they describe it, but they're not really demonstrating it. Mm-hmm. So you have to translate, you know? Yeah. But it's cool because then sometimes when people sing the songs I sang, I was like, dude, I grew up doing that with everyone else. Yeah. It's so That's weird. so cool. That is so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, studio recording and working on stuff in studios. Um, mm-hmm. how, how is that? I mean, obviously you're not on stage performing in front of people, but how does that, how does your attitude and your emotion and... Um, energy in that studio room differ from being on stage performing those songs i don't think it changes that much except that you know you can do it 15 more times which is almost a problem for me because i'm a perfectionist and i'll never leave Mm -hmm. um but you can also like fix it later if you need um but it is the same thing with the acting like if you're closing your eyes you want to be like no you know (laughs) no you know you want to like yeah Close your eyes and still feel it. Like this podcast, can you feel me? You know? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> um, so you also do uh, concerts and shows, and you go around and do solo stuff, right? Um, when? No, I'm wondering when I'm when anyone's going to be able to travel again, but yes. Oh. <laughs> when? Truly. Mm-hmm. When? And I can't wait. Can't wait. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to know your process when you go to pick rep for your... Shows. Yeah, what's what I love? Okay, so like the last, a lot of the shows I used to do. Well, okay, I usually create new shows in New York, and then do a rough thing like abroad. I did create a show for London just because I had been there so long. Mm-hmm. If I do a one-off show in Germany, a lot of it is like I kind of have to do my 
favorite YouTube hits because <laughs> like you have to do quiet. You have to, do, you know. Mm -hmm. um, let's say when I pick rep for New York, some of the years have been songs I love and I don't care, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah. And I'll try to find a way to connect it. But my banter is never gonna be, my next song is this. Like I'm gonna incorporate <laughs> a way, uh, incorporate, you know, banter into it. Um, I think it starts with, a lot of times it starts with like a list of 100 songs. Like I'm like, I wanna cover this, I wanna cover this. Put it in a document, then I cut to 30, and then I'm like, mm, this doesn't really fit. And then it kind of goes from there. Mm -hmm. um, and then if there's like a funny moment, then we add a song that fits into that in terms of writing a piece around it. But it usually starts with whether it's a throwback song from the 90s I love or a musical theater song, a role I'd never play, or I want to do this because I would, n nobody knows I sing like this, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that's an opportunity to choose what you want. Mm -hmm. um, I would love to know how you fell into teaching and what mm -hmm. that does for your soul. <laughs> yeah. So I actually auditioned or applied for music ed for two schools for college. So I didn't know what I was doing. I was like music ed or musical theater. Chose musical theater because I felt like theater people were more my people. Mm -hmm. Just like I could spot a theater person from across the room. You just know. You know, it's your vibe. Mm -hmm. um, and then in college, I would be the person that's like, play this song for me in a practice room. So they trusted my opinion and not that I would be like, coaching for free but they'd be like Allie can you help me with the song and that's sort of how it started and I would actually be kind of like a rep coach I don't prefer giving rep now sometimes I'll suggest but that's like not my sweet spot um when I graduated because of my YouTube following people were like she belts high she could teach me to do that and that's not always the case it just so happened that I had like a natural instinct for teaching but my clientele was like very few mm -hmm. um I just didn't have to get a waitressing job what happened two years ago was when I was at a super low, I had no, I felt like I had no purpose. I didn't, I just had no thing, nothing on the planner. I don't even know if it happened at the same time, but like I put, I, I coached one person. I think I was coaching like a few times a week and they would be randoms. Hi, I'm from Amsterdam. I'm coming in for, can I have a coaching? Great. Let's pick a day I'm coaching. I didn't have a set schedule. Mm -hmm. Then when I posted this one kid two years ago who was amazing, I wasn't even coaching him and said, Natalie Weiss probably coaching. People loved it, and so I started continuing to do it. And now when people come up to me and they're like, hi, I've watched all your private coachings on YouTube, <laughs> I think it's so cool. So then I had to have a business plan in place mm -hmm. to rebrand. I had to have an application process because I couldn't possibly teach everyone. And so that was a really cool thing. It was like a, the first time in my life besides I was on Broadway is that I really saw – a huge potential in in really running a business, which I had never seen before. And it's all, it was the first time I had ever seen it be like, wow, if it's starting now, it's only gonna get, I wouldn't say worse, it's only gonna get crazier. Yeah. Good. Yeah, and I, I, I am also somebody who loves to sit down for a good chunk of time and watch video after video of your private coachings. I just, <laughs> there's so much Thank information. <laughs> um, so, uh, before we wrap up, and Natalie, I could talk to you for eight and a half years because <laughs> there's just so much, so much information and good, good things to take away. Um, but um, is there anything that you wish that you could tell your younger self now? Yes, it would be. You don't have to have everything figured out, and it's okay to change your mind because. Oh, and I would also say say yes to everything to a degree, obviously, but like. Maybe that one party 
you didn't want to go to, you end up getting into a conversation with somebody who's talking about blah, 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 and then that leads you to your side business, which then becomes your LLC, which then becomes your entire being. I mean, it's just like such a weird thing to think. If I had never done gone to this thing, I would never met this person who I'm so close with and who also helps me with this, and then we help each other, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a big one. And it's okay if you change your mind. You're never, you can change your mind at 75, you know? <laughs> 75, but only that age, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, uh, Natalie, as we come to a close on this episode, which is sad, but as we come to a close on this episode, um, uh, we always, on every episode, have a tradition where we have our guests sing a mic check of their choice. Whatever it, whatever speaks to you now, whatever's stuck in your head, literally the ABCs, whatever works for you. Um, I will do Only Us from Darren Hansen Ooh. because I was just recording it for a TikTok duet. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> um, but I'm not going to belt it. That's okay. Take it um, away. It'll be us. It'll be us. And only us And what came before won't count anymore We can try that You and me That's all that we needed to be And the rest of the world falls away And the rest of the world falls away And it's only us yeah, everybody, <laughs> Natalie Wise. Thank you. Natalie, I really appreciate you coming on to today's episode. Um, Thanks for having me. Everybody, go follow Natalie Weiss on Instagram, Facebook, subscribe on YouTube, do all of the things. TikTok. The Natalie Weiss. The Natalie Weiss. She is pretty dang funny, so go check her out all over nice. the place. Um, Natalie, is there anything you want to plug before we go? Yes. Do it. I'm creating my first riff course coming out hopefully before the new year. And it's for all beginners, all levels. And I talk about my method of breaking down the riffs. So sweet. Look out for it. Sweet. And if you can't riff like me, go ahead and check out Breaking Down the Riff because you <laughs> actually can. Breaking with down the riff. If you think you can do it, then you can do the riff course because it's easier than the than the episodes. Sweet. Natalie, thank you so, so much. Thank you. Have a fantastic day, everybody. And we will see you on the next episode of Mike Chat.